You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 331 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Wednesday, December 1st at 10 p.m. Eastern, and that is important for context because of all the CBA issues and deadlines and free agency, and we don't often give a full-blown timestamp, but it's it's key on this podcast. And I am joined, as often, by Scott Coleman. Hello, sir. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. It has been a crazy last couple of days for major league baseball and for a sport that never has a, uh, a big fireworks show in their off season, it tends to be a slow burn. As we all know, uh, I enjoyed it. I, I think you enjoyed it. I think most fans enjoyed kind of the free agency chaos that has been the last 72 hours. Uh, granted the Braves were maybe not as active as some would have hoped for, but, uh, for the sport as a whole, even though the, Lockout seems likely, I, I, very <laughs> likely at this point. Um, it, it, it's been a good last couple of days and, and certainly a lot to talk about. Yeah, we'll touch on the lockout stuff at the very end, uh, but you alluded to it there. I would say every single reporter uh, in America believes there'll be a lockout in the next few hours. It may not be right at 12, but that's when the CBA expires at the end of tonight, which is two hours from now, Eastern time. Um, they don't have to lock them out right away. But that's probably going to happen in the near future. So we'll come back to that later on. And you referenced it, but I was going to say a bunch of names that sign for lots of money here at the top of the podcast, just to kind of set the stage for what you were saying, because it has been chaos. Corey Seager, uh, for a million bazillion dollars to Texas. Uh, Marcus Simeon, also to Texas, which was kind of insane. Uh, the Mets spent a ton of money on Max Scherzer. Um, and others, uh, Mark Canna, et cetera. Uh, Kevin Gosman, old pal, is uh, now a hundred millionaire uh, in the near future. Javi Baez, John Gray, Marcus Stroman signed tonight. Uh, I would say, what is that, like seven or eight of the top 12, 15 free agents basically signed yeah. already. So it's been uh, it's been chaos. But uh, the guy who hasn't signed is Freddie Freeman. We'll come back to him later on too. But uh, I think Braves fans are, are ready for that to be over. But at some point, it's going to happen. It may not happen in the next two hours. It's been a fascinating start to free agency. And you're right. There's been some big, big time money being spent. Um, yeah. Texas Rangers, uh, the Detroit Tigers are expected to spend a lot of money at some point. I mean, you, you talk about the teams that are spending money here and the, none of them are good. And I was tweeting about this tonight, but like the Dodgers, other than bringing Chris Taylor back have not been very active. They lose Seager. They lost Scherzer. The Yankees and the Red Sox have done very, very little. The Braves have not done a whole lot. The Houston Astros have done basically nothing. Um, it, it's been weird, and I guess it's good for the sport when kind of those bottom and middle-tier teams are spending more money. 
Um, but it, it's been an interesting start to the off season to be sure there's still, as Buster only noted, there's still like 300 free agents left. So it's not like the Braves and all these teams don't have other options here. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if you had the Texas Rangers spending half a billion dollars by, uh, by December 1st, a couple months ago, I think I would have said you were crazy. Um, but yeah, it's, I guess it's good for the sport to have a little more balance. I know that's something in these new contract negotiation talks that they want more of a middle tier of teams in the league because it's very top and bottom heavy right now. And if that means spending like this, then I'm all for it. Yeah, the half a billion for Texas on two players at the same position is uh, A-plus stuff from the Rangers. I have uh, Rangers fans uh, in my life, and they were uh, both excited and perplexed at the same time. It's very exciting. I am excited. I am very excited that the Braves no longer have to face Corey Seager in the playoffs, (laughs) short of another World Series appearance, uh, because that dude, I swear, I mean, he, he didn't have a crazy NLCS this year, but he's just somebody who scared me every single time he came up to the plate. Yeah, no, uh, no Corey Seager and uh, no Max Scherzer, at least in in Washington. Uh, though he went to the Dodgers and now he's on the Mets, which is like very strange. Anyway, we'll come back to the, all that later on. But uh, a lot's happened, and the Braves did, as we start on the Braves portion of this podcast, they did make a transaction, and in my opinion, a very very interesting transaction uh, this week. They signed Kirby Yates, veteran reliever, to a two year deal. He's 34 years old. Uh, it's worth $8.25 million guaranteed, but the structure is the fascinating part in addition to his uh, high-level performance and also his injury history. So he's only making $1 million this season because he had Tommy John surgery in March. And uh, he could conceivably be ready by the middle of the season. I think it's pretty unlikely he'll be ready for you know any part of spring and I would imagine you can't bank on him until you know midseason or maybe even later than that, which explains why he's making so little money in this first year. But then it's six million for twenty-three, and then a five point seven five million dollar club option for twenty-four with a one point two five million dollar buyout. So a very weird structure, and he's also kind of old in addition to the injuries. He'll be thirty-five when the season starts. He'll be thirty-six when the following season starts, and there's that uh, there's that that's the fully guaranteed season, and then thirty-seven in the club option season. Uh, I say all that, though, Kirby Yates is familiar in that the Braves actually reportedly agreed to a deal with him last year, and then they had to back out because of a physical, and uh, rightly so, because Yates did not pitch at all last year before he had the TJ. Um, so that's interesting in a lot of ways, but at his peak, he was like basically the best reliever in baseball for two years. Um, there was a three-year period where he had a 2.4 ERA, and then from 2018 to 2019, his last two full seasons – he had a 1.67 ERA with 191 strikeouts in 123 innings. Now, Scott, I'm not good at math. That seems like a lot of strikeouts um, and a pretty good ERA. So he was, you know, basically, here's a short version before I hand it off to you. He was incredibly good the last time he pitched. He hasn't pitched in a while. He's kind of old, and the contract is very interesting and bizarre. So there you go. Yeah, there you go. And And I know for a lot of our listeners who are on the East Coast, you know, Kirby Yates, when he was so good with the San Diego Padres, he was coming on the mound at like one and one in the morning locally. So maybe fans aren't as familiar with him, but you're absolutely right. He was, I mean, not only the best reliever in the game in 2019 with San Diego, he had a historically good 2019, like one of the best relief seasons of all time. If you go by fan graphs war, um, 
so he was very good. That being said, 2019 was a couple of years ago. If you, he had Tommy John surgery either at the end of March or early April of this year. So you have to assume he is not going to be back until probably June or so. Tommy John's, of course, always a little interesting with how quickly guys recover, but at the very minimum, he's not back until May. It will have been about two and a half years since he has thrown a, has needed to throw competitive pitches at the big league level. He really did not pitch very much in 2020 and the COVID season, which is when he got hurt. And then of course he did not pitch at all. He got hurt in spring training in 2021. So there is some risk here. The fact that they're only paying him a million dollars in 2022 uh, kind of jives with that thinking he may not really be even back to himself whenever he does return. Um, But it's not big money. And the upside here, I think is significant. He's clearly somebody the front office has wanted for a while because they, they tried to sign him last year. And even if you maybe don't get the best of Kirby Yates in 2022, the fact that it's a two-year deal and reasonable money in 2023 is, is worthwhile. And we'll see, maybe it's another uh, gem for the night shift. We hope so. <laughs> uh, maybe he'll, maybe he'll be able to uh, hit his form a little bit whenever the games matter most in August, September, uh, October. Um, but we'll see. I was, I was pleasantly surprised by the deal and I think it's a strong signing and there, there is some upside here to be sure. Right. And, you know, on on paper, the Braves don't have a huge need at the back of the bullpen. Uh, obviously, the night shift was awesome in the playoffs. They were awesome last year in general, and they bring them all back. Um, as we say on this podcast all the time, however, relievers are volatile. And you, you just can't assume that every guy that was good last year in the bullpen is going to be good again. And if they had given Kirby Yates the Will Smith contract, uh, I would not have been thrilled with that. But this is a deal that if he is himself – is an absolute heist. And if he's not himself, you didn't give up very much. Um, you know, this year's money, as we talked about, is $1 million. That's 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 literally nothing. And next year, $6 million, yeah, like, that's what you're on the hook for. But, I mean, in theory, they could, in, in the middle of this season, just to kind of decide, you know what, Kirby, we'll give you extra time off and just shut him down and let him go. Like, that, that may not happen. And in my mind, I wonder if you have thought about it this way as well, you know, I feel like anything in 22 is a bonus from Kirby Yates. This is a move that is pretty clearly designed for 23. Uh, and that, that kind of sounds weird uh, in December of 21. But the, the structure tells you what they're doing here. It's basically that they're maybe hoping he can help them down the stretch of 22. But it's a move that's focused on 23, which, by the way, is the year after Will Smith expires. Mm-hmm. So it's like it kind of makes some sense. And, you know, he's a little older than you would want for a guy that, that you're trying to do this with. But that's kind of the only sticking point. Other than that, like the deal has, you said it best, it has real upside. And the downside is just not that high. It's not, I mean, if it doesn't go well, you didn't light too much money on fire. It's not like a Cole Hamill situation where you spent $15 million and that you couldn't afford to spend. This is $6 million the year after this. And I think that's a good risk. Yeah, I mean, we have no way of knowing. Naturally, we have no way of knowing where Kirby Yates will be post-Tommy John. It's a very, uh, obviously, it's a very major surgery and he is not a super young man at this point in his career but you're right I mean anytime you put up the season that he did and and he was 32 or 33 years old when he had that tremendous season with the Padres so it wasn't like it was a decade ago and it's you're hoping on a prayer here um I I like the move you're right I can already hear uh 
friend of the pod, Chip Carey, talking about how it's like making a trade at the deadline without actually making a trade. Oh my God. I hadn't thought about that. You're hundred percent right. <laughs> that, that is going to happen in like, on like May 10th. Yeah. Close your eyes and tell me you cannot hear Chip and Jeff in the booth talking about that like very clearly and vividly. Oh, that, uh, that, that might happen in spring training. There'll be a reference to him on like on the first Bally yeah. spring training broadcast, at like two in the afternoon, great for league action. It's like, you know what? Uh, they'll be able to kind of just add a mid season arm and Kirby. Yeah, it's going to happen. You're, you're absolutely right. 100%. Um, maybe <laughs> the timing will be beneficial. I mean, you, I'm glad you mentioned it. Yes. The night shift was incredible. The last couple of months, we don't know where the bullpen is going to be next year. Of course, on 2021 as a whole, the Braves bullpen was very Jekyll and Hyde. Um, it's easy to forget that early on in the year, they just kept on letting games get away from them. Uh, you can never have too many bullpen arms. And hey, if they can find, I mean, even if Kirby Yates is close to as good as he was with the Padres for a couple of years there, uh, it's a strong addition and, and depth is never a bad thing in the bullpen, especially somebody who has gone out and, and done the job before. Yeah, that's uh, that's well said. Obviously, I'm going to tie this in. This is not exactly on the same level of high profile, but the Braves also signed Darren O'Day to a minor league contract, and this is almost the same thing except for at a very low level. Uh, Darren O'Day, former Brave, of course, and essentially Darren O'Day has been good anytime he's pitched in the last like seven years. It's just that he's a million years old. He's 39 years old. He can't stay healthy, but uh, if he makes the team, he'll, he'll make $1 million this year. And he was like legitimately good the last three seasons with the Braves and the Yankees. And yes, it's not the same level of intrigue or upside, but it's the same kind of idea where like they're just like kind of aiming for upside. And Darren O'Day, even if it's only like three months, I kind of doubt he's gonna. I kind of doubt that he'll be good for a full season for the Braves. But he, if he could, if he could throw like twenty games this year yeah. and do it well, it's worth a million dollars. No, it really is. I mean, I think at this point, if Darren O'Day is healthy enough to be on a big league mound, he's going to be pretty effective. Um, it's just a matter though. I mean, I hate to say it, but it really is more of a matter of when and not if he's going to get hurt. Um, maybe he gives the Braves a couple of months at that price point. You're talking about no money at all. Uh, but yeah, it's nice to bring back old friend Darren O'Day. I believe uh, he was also highly thought of among his teammates and in the bullpen. He did some yes. work with the young guys as well. Um, so that kind of stuff is invaluable. And even if he only makes it through spring training or something like that, um, Anytime you can have these young pitchers around a veteran who has done it successfully for many, many years, um, I, I think it is certainly worthwhile. I was not planning to go to Darren O'Day that early in the podcast, but it felt like it was the right thing to do after the Kirby Yates discussion. I promise you we're going to talk about Marcelo Zuna, uh, unfortunately, uh, in a second, and also the non-tender deadline decisions that the Braves made. There's lots of news to get to on this podcast, Scott, and uh, we're kind of loaded up here. But before we get into any more of that, a word from our sponsors on the show today. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. 
Real Traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, Scott, let us talk about Marcelo Zuna uh, and a controversial ruling, I'll say, this week by Major League Baseball. Um... Ozuna was given a 20-game suspension. As we talked about a number of times on this podcast, we were all kind of waiting, including the Braves, I will add, for what baseball was going to do suspension-wise for Marcelo Ozuna. It was always going to be something. Uh, This was about as light as I possibly could have thought it would be because it's 20 games. It's also retroactive. So he's now free to play in baseball from game one of next season. Um, The suspension costs him about a million and a half dollars in salary. Um, And all the statements that were released here... Uh, you know, I'm not going to refresh the entire timeline, but he was arrested back in May, charged with felony aggravated assault by strangulation. Um, they dropped the felony charge, the prosecutors in Sandy Springs, um, and then he entered a diversion program in September that could result in the domestic violence, domestic violence case being dismissed at some point. He's still facing misdemeanor charges of family violence, battery, and simple assault, um, and they could be dropped, though, uh, if he meets the resolution conditions in the near future. Um, upon this announcement by Major League Baseball, the Braves released a statement. I'm going to read it for you now. And it says, any instance of domestic violence is unacceptable, and we fully support the decision by the commissioner's office regarding Marcel. We are encouraged to know that Marcel has accepted full responsibility for his actions and is taking the necessary measures to learn and grow from the situation. End quote. Now, all that happened earlier. Then, today, on Wednesday, TMZ released the video of Marcel Azuna, um, and part of it is uh, his hand, I would say, pretty forcefully on the neck of his wife um, before he was arrested in May. Um, it's one video. Uh, it's TMZ. There's not a lot of context, but it exists. There's video of this. It does not look good. Um, I will say this before I get your re- reaction, Scott. I thought that if I had to guess, it was going to be like 50 games. I didn't think it was going to be a full season. Uh, I do think 20 games and retroactive is very, very light on this, and I, I think that's not enough punishment for what he has done. Um, I, don't, I don't have any, any, any interest at all in getting into the – I've seen a lot of Braves fans and mentions and arguing about like whether it was as quote-unquote quote as bad as it looked or all this stuff, and I, I don't want to do that. Uh, I'm not okay with domestic violence in any, in any way, which I perform, uh, and I don't want him on the Braves. I've said that before. I stand by that now. Um, at the same time, we've also been realistic and knowing that he has lots of money owed to him, etc. I'll just say this, that we can talk about this if you want to. I thought 20 games and retroactive was extremely light for this instance, and I was at least mildly surprised. Not like totally floored, but I was uh, surprised. Yeah, so um, I agree uh, completely with basically everything you just said, and I think the way I will answer it is really in two parts, and, and the first part is on a 
uh, I guess the off the court or off the field matter with Marcel. And it is this, um, I hope Marcel and his family get the help that they need because, uh, of course, now we have video of this incident, which was very difficult to watch and is horrifying. Um, about a year and a half ago, Marcel's wife was arrested on domestic violence charges of some kind. Um, they have young children in their household. Um, very clearly, there are some real problems with their relationship. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm uh, in tune with what goes on in the Ozuna household, but that is never okay, and it, I, I sincerely hope that they get the help they need because that, that is a concerning situation all the way around. Um, on, the, on the baseball topic of this, um, I agree. I thought 20 games was light. I thought 50 games or maybe even half a season was going to be uh, what was in the cards for the Braves and Marcel here. Um, and the fact that it's retroactive, even more so, he is effectively um, assuming he is not traded or released. Uh, Marcel is going to be on the roster on opening day, and I think the early money has him as the DH and in, in batting cleanup or close to it. And we'll see what happens. We'll see if the Braves take additional action beyond their statement. That's something probably for another day to see what transpires over the next couple of months. But, um, you know, as, as you just said, there's, there's, of course, significant baseball implications of this decision, um, off-field stuff aside, and I guess now is probably the time to talk about it. Yeah, so, you know, we've talked about it a number of times in the last, you know, however many months it's been, seven months, about Marcel, and uh, I, I am on the side of the people that generally just want him to be cut and to go away. I, I also just know that's not going to happen. The Braves are never going to do that. Um, I'd be pleasantly surprised if they did, but they're not going to do that. Um, will they trade him is kind of what it comes down to. It's either he's going to be traded or he's going to be in the lineup on opening day, and I don't know which one of those is going to be. But the biggest thing here, and uh, this is not new, or I'm sure if Braves fans pay attention at all, they would know this, but uh, he's on the hook, uh, sorry, the Braves are on the hook for a lot of money to Marcel in the near future. $16 million this year, and then $18 million each in 23 and 24, and then a club option in 25 or $16 million. Uh, that is the reason why it is uh, not exactly a cut and dry, you just release him and move on kind of decision. Um, could he be traded? I have no idea. Uh, I, I'm sure, you know, everyone is tradable for some price, but uh, could he be traded without great pain? I actually don't know. Uh, I don't know what, I don't know how toxic it would be in the market, you know, just performance on the field stuff. We like that contract when it happened. It's just, uh, obviously things have changed at this point in time. And, you know, I think pretty clearly you mentioned DH, everyone is assuming that's going to happen. The university DH for next year, if it happens and Ozuna was signed to play left field, but also to be the DH when he was signed. So, I don't know. It's going to really, really not thrill me to have to watch Marcelo Zuna in a Braves uniform on opening day and beyond if it happens. I just know at this point it is, it's definitely a possibility that it might happen. And uh, baseball-wise, you know, could he help them? Sure. I just don't I don't really want to talk about it too much right now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, make, it makes me not want to talk about it. it just, it's just it's not any fun. But clearly we both would acknowledge that uh, there is at minimum a possibility that he is playing for the Braves next year. Yeah, you're right. And I think we can probably leave it here. I would be surprised if there are many teams calling about Marcelo Zuna. I mean, yeah, as we know, there are some, from an on-field perspective, there are some limitations with his game. And you're right that this time a year ago or 10 months ago, even when he signed the contract, we liked the deal. We, we thought he would be someone who would be a very contributing member to this team for a couple seasons. And with the 
likely but not guaranteed DH, et cetera, et cetera. It all kind of worked out. Um, and then all of that happened and, and you're absolutely right. It, it, it doesn't feel appropriate or even what we want to do is, is think about even having to cheer for this guy in a Braves uniform. We will see how the next couple of months shake out and probably leave it there. Yeah, we can move on. Uh, and if anything new happens, you know, the video came out today and that was after everything, which I'm sure was uh, interesting timing as well. But we'll leave it there for now. Uh, elsewhere, there was a flurry of activity last night on Tuesday, uh, November 30th. They, the league and the players agreed to move the non-tender deadline up, up a few days from December 2nd to November 30th for obvious reasons. And it has to do with the CBA expiring tonight. Um, but there were two decisions the Braves made before that deadline, and they actually avoided arbitration altogether with two different players. So they signed Orlando Arcia to a two-year deal worth a guaranteed $3 million, and they signed Guillermo Heredia to a one-year deal for $1 million. Uh, we'll talk about Arcia first. I know we kind of were consistent about this. I, I'm kind of baffled by the Arcia thing. I still am. Uh, th <laughs> this is not too. very much money, and that's that's important to emphasize. I'm not like outraged by this. It's not money. It's not money that really matters. But uh, we talked about this in the playoffs when Snicker was pinch hitting him for. Re he's just not a good hitter. He's never been a good hitter at any point. So I don't understand it. But essentially, what happened here is they chose Arcia and a pretty cheap contract for two years over Camargo. And it was basically those two guys had a similar role. They're kind of different players, but they're kind of in this utility, weird role, and they were going to keep both of them um, for sure. Maybe not even either of them, but they uh, they still, for some reason, they really like Arcia a lot. So he's around for at least another... I, I, I should say this. He's under contract. Uh, when a deal that is actually this cheap... If a guy's bad, you could just cut him and it doesn't really matter. <laughs> but uh, he'll, he'll be under contract for two years. Yeah, I, I was surprised. You're right. It is very little money. I mean, especially you're talking a million and a half dollars. It is not hard for the Braves to get some, get their money back on that kind of contract for someone like Arcia. Um, he does have some versatility. He could probably play shortstop in a pinch. He could, of course, hop at second or third if needed. He's a good he, defender. I'll say that. He's a good yeah, defender. Yeah, you, you need somebody like that on your roster. Does he have holes in this game and, and pretty significant questions about his offensive profile? Yes. Um, but at the same time, you're, you're probably not going to find a star to be a backup infielder on your team, at least at a cheap price point. So um, you're right. I, I think if I had to pick, on December 1st, I would take Arcia over Johan Camargo, who just couldn't seem to figure it out at the big league level. We will always have 2018 Johan Camargo. We hit some memories there. Um, but unfortunately, since that magical year, it has been all downhill for Johan. And I, I guess Arcia probably has a little more upside just given his prospect pedigree and all that. Maybe they think they can tap him in, tap into a few things here with him. Um, but million bucks, backup infielder. Uh, it sounds about right. Yeah, I'm wrong a lot. Uh, I was incredibly right about Camargo. I just never made any sense at all that he was that he was going to be good. He had never been good at any point in the minors, etc. I feel bad for saying that, but he had the one just majestic season in which he was somehow good, and he's never been good before or since. So yeah. he's no longer on the roster, uh, and there you go. He, but He could pimp a home run. I will, Yeah, I mean, if, if he made out. contact, it was fun. But. <laughs> someone tweeted the video of him. It was NLCS last year. 
the Braves were losing like 15 to nothing and Camargo just launched one and, and he admired it. Like he had just won a world series and it was like, ah, Johan, Johan, the, the memories are strong, but yeah, it was, it was probably time. Uh, some housekeeping. Arcia has a career 70 WRC plus in about 2000 plate appearances. That tells you that he's not very good at hitting. Um, but Hey, He's around, and just for uh, also clarity, it's $1.6 million this year, $1.3 million next year, and they actually have a club option after that. And you you alluded to it, but I think one of the reasons that he has gotten the level of respect that he has is the pedigree that he has, and honestly, he swings really hard, and when, it, and when he makes contact, it looks pretty good. Um, but I do wonder, I, I think I actually kind of know, but if, I do wonder if he was not a former top you know, 10, 20 prospect in the league if he gets this contract. And I would probably guess probably, that. Yeah, probably not. Uh, I will say, anyway. I mean, it, it's like a guarantee that at some point in 2022, you and I will come on the podcast on a Sunday evening and talk <laughs> about a big home run that Arcia hit. Because oh, you're right. sure. I mean, yeah. he's not trying to bloop one over the second base of no. his head. I mean, he he's trying to hit one. He's trying to Jorge Solera ball out of the stadium. That's what he's trying to do. He is not uh, known for plate discipline. We'll just say he, hey, he, he's hacking when he goes up there and swing listen, away, baby. Yeah. That's fine. Take the strikes home. Yeah. You can't take him home with you. Swing uh, away. <laughs> and to, to be fair, we'll move on uh, to be fair. If he's your last guy on the bench and he's just your backup defensive infielder, it's fine. Like most teams have a guy like that. It's just when he became the Braves number one pinch hitter for like two weeks last year where I was clawing my eyes out. But as long as he's like considered to be your, you know, 25th guy, it's not a big deal. It's he plays defense and he's around. Um, speaking of 25th guys, uh, Guillermo Heredia, hey. one year, $1 million. Uh, he, this is actually less than he was projected for arbitration, which is probably why it got done. And uh, as we all know, the vibes are incredible. We should have led the podcast with Guillermo. I actually, I, am... I actually thought about doing it as a joke, but uh, we'll do it here instead. <laughs> I love Guillermo. That dude could literally not appear in a game all year long and just run around the bench and on the field as he does with his pirate swords. I pray that he brings the pirate swords back next year. Um, the best $1 million the Atlanta Braves have spent maybe ever to bring Guillermo back. <laughs> I don't care. I mean, he, he literally couldn't get a hit next year. And I don't think I would ever come on this podcast and be like, nah, it's time. We gotta. We gotta find somebody else. Just put him then... on the IL if that happens. Just, just, <laughs> just give, just give him a fake oblique injury, and he can run yeah. around the dugout. It's fine. The, the six month, yeah, oblique and groin strain. Honestly, though, months. like, yeah. I, I, number one, I agree with you across the board. Uh, everyone loves Guillermo. He was so much fun last year, and I, I believe he'd be worth a million dollars just on that. I will also say he has some like baseball traits that are useful like he's actually hit lefties pretty well in his career and he played decent defense last year in center field like he, he can he can fake center field pretty well he's pretty good in the corner he can hit a little bit like i think you wanted to be your fifth outfielder rather than your fourth in a, in, a, in a perfect world on a contending team but i think that we saw him last year get thrust into duty and he was like not incredible but he's a major league player. It's not like he's embarrassing. He's he's fine. He's like a fifth outfielder, but he can hit a little bit against lefties. And if you use him correctly, uh, he can definitely add value. So between those two things, the vibes and his actual uh, baseball stuff, uh, $1 million. Um, yes. Sure. Yeah. I'll take Guillermo. Yeah. I mean, he, he played a very important role in this team. And as you said, he is a serviceable big league outfielder. Again, kind of like Arcia, you need someone who – you could throw out in any of the, any of the three outfield positions. 
And I mean, the guy's just so much fun. And I'm sure you talk about wanting to keep a clubhouse loose. Um, I was happy to see him brought back and again for a million bucks. I, I was kind of joking with uh, if he's in an O for 200 slump next year and they have to move on. <laughs> You can always move on. Only kind of, um, only kind of joking. Only kind of yeah. in memory. He's he can have a lifetime contract, as far as I'm concerned. But all right, um, yeah, well, good to have Guillermo back. Yeah, those those two things happened earlier in the day before before the deadline happened, and they were both you know cheap and uh, bench driven. The more high profile stuff happened later on in the day on Tuesday. There were very very obvious tenders like Max Fried and Austin Riley, AJ Minter, Luke Jackson, Danby Swanson. And Tyler Matzik plus his Twitter account. Have you been following Tyler Matzik's Twitter account? He's uh, he, he came out of nowhere to yeah. just annihilate some people. He's been tweeting for the first time in a long time. And I guess he even made fun of himself. Like someone asked him why he was tweeting now. And he was like, um, because basically he was like, in 2018, no one would have wanted to hear me uh, on Twitter because no one knew who I was. Uh-huh. Something like that. And I was like, well, that's, that's yeah. probably true. Uh, but now he's, you know, doing Tyler Matzik things. So uh, he's also uh, tendered. But those. <laughs> What six guys were absolute lock no brainers, and I felt like I had to mention Tyler's Twitter account because it's going well. I enjoyed Sean that. Newcomb is still a member of the Atlanta. Okay, Braves. that was that was the next one. Okay, so Newcomb, I can see both sides of this. Uh, I have given up on Sean for the most part, uh, but his projection on MLB trade rumors is nine hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, and if yeah. if we're being fair and talking about how little money it is for Arcia and Heredia, that's like no money. And uh, basically what this does for Newcomb in my mind, and maybe you disagree, but um, it's so cheap that you can bring him to spring training. And if he looks terrible, you just cut him essentially. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, so I have, I don't have a huge problem. It, it definitely felt weird to me. And then I thought about how little money that was. And I was like, all right, it's not a big, it's not a big deal. It's a, and it's worth a housekeeping note too here that I believe if players are tended, tender to contract and arbitration, um, am I correct in that, at a certain point in spring training, like if they only make it two weeks and they cut them, they only owe the player like 10% of their salary. Yeah. They're not, they're not guaranteed from the moment they get the tender. Um, it's yeah. like, yeah, I, I don't know the exact thing, but I know we talked about this with Duvall last year at one point before he was not tendered, but um, yeah, it's like a, they're not, if, if you get, if you get cut in, in February or March, you're not owed all of it. Um, I don't know. It's something like yeah. that. But I, it's basically a, a paid tryout. To and even right. if he was owed all of it, it's nine hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, pennies on the dollar. So for a uh, for a corporation such as Liberty Media, but right. And you're right. I mean, it's funny if if you have young kids tie their right arm behind their back and make them throw a baseball left-handed and see what happens. Because as they say, if if you can throw a fastball in the mid nineties as Sean can. Uh, you have a shot in the big leagues, and we'll see. I think we are all well past the could he figure it out stage. I would be truly stunned at this point, but I guess you do need some kind of depth in the organization, and Sean Newcomb fits that bill. Scott, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do this right now, just just for the sake of it. He was a good reliever in 2019. It hasn't been that long. He was a good reliever in 2019. That happened. I'm just saying, it did happen. He was. He was. He had a 3.16 RA for the season in 2019 out of the bullpen. Uh, I would guess that's not going to happen again, but uh, at least you could see it. Because because he's a reliever and relievers are weird. Like, if I told anyone Tyler Matzik was going to be an awesome reliever three years ago, it would have been, like, the yeah. dumbest thing I've ever said in my life. So, like, relievers no, are just what they are, and I would bet against it. Don't, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I bet against it. But it's at least conceivable to me that he would be, like, you know, usable next year. Yeah, for sure. No, I mean, you're right. I mean, 
Nukem is who he is. We'll see. Maybe he throws a couple innings for the Braves next year and we'll all look back and laugh. We will definitely laugh. Um, the other one, this was not really into eight, but it was at least kind of on the periphery was Mike Soroka. Uh, Bowman, I know, floated that they might at least consider non-tenders because of the injuries and you're kind of just lighting money on fire at, some, at a certain point. But they tendered him. It's projected to be about $3 million. Uh, no harm done. And Eric would have just lost his mind if they didn't tender him. So I'm glad that didn't happen. Shots yeah. to Eric. Um, <laughs> and the big one, the big one, uh, Adam, non-tender Duval has been tendered. Uh, a $9.1 million projection for Duvall. And by the way, they already had to pay him $3 million in a, uh, in a mutual option buyout. So they've already paid him a bunch of money. Yeah. Now they are going to probably pay him a lot more money and he's probably worth that. Um, it's worth noting the Braves are a file and trial team. So um, if they actually exchange figures for arbitration, um, they won't be negotiating anymore beyond that. But in between now and then they could find a deal with Duvall a la what they, what they did with uh, Heredia and Arcia. They could also go multiple years with him if they wanted to. Um, or they could just go to arbitration and probably pay him like $10 million. And yeah. all that's fine with me. Adam Duvall, is uh, is he worth a lot more than $10 million? No. But if you just fi- figure in what he's been able to do the last few years, it sounds like a lot of money. I realize that. But he, he's worth that much yeah. money. It's not, it's not a huge bargain, though. I'll just say that. Yeah, he, he certainly brings value. I mean, we saw his his ability to change a game with his power is uh, it's a valuable asset. And yes, he's going to have stretches where he's struggling. He is he is streaky, um, but his versatility in the outfield, especially, I thought made this a no brainer. And there was a little bit of talk, as you alluded to, would they non tender him again? And I really did think they were going to keep him around. Uh, but the fact that Ronald Acuna Jr is going to miss at least some time to begin the season or very yep. likely to miss time. And I'm not sure they trust Christian Pache in that role yet, nor should they. Um, and Duvall can play center field as we saw, and he may not be a, a prototypical center fielder or what a center fielder looked like 20 years ago in terms of his power and how he plays, but um, he, he can play center field. There's only so many players in the league who can fill that position in. Um, and, and he will, he'll be counted on once again, as, as kind of a key member of this outfield. There is something very, very funny about last year, him in my mind being an absolute no brainer tender, uh, and they didn't do it. And this year I thought it was at least up for debate and they did it. And that's kind of hilarious on both, on both sides of it. Uh, when you win the world series, uh, you could spend more money, obviously. Um, and I do think that I would have done this just for the record. I said that before it happened and I would have tendered him, but I would have been a lot less upset this year than I was last year <laughs> about not tendering him as funny as that yeah. is. So uh, it's a lot of money, but like you said, he provides versatility. The power is there. He'll yeah. make you crazy for two weeks. If you watch him and he's just having, he's having a rough time and he'll go crazy for two more weeks. So he's not always the prettiest, but he can uh, give you some depth and, and the outfield is what it is. I mean, the outfield is not, you know, on paper right now, it's kind of light with Acuna banged up. So yeah, Adam Duvall will have, one of the biggest and most forgotten swings in like Braves postseason history with his grand slam in game five. Uh, just a, a fun, I'm, I know it's, that's going to be a moment in like five or 10 years that somebody brings up and we're all like, wait, that happened. What? It grand sure slam in the world series and they lost what game? It was partially, we'll it was go, partially our fault too. We, we, we forgot it on the, on the moments podcast. We, didn't we did shame on us. We're the worst. Yeah. Uh, no, it's, you know, Duval playoff hero. Legend, we love Adam Duvall on this podcast. We we always believe when no one else did. That's that's true. Yeah. Uh, maybe not no one else, but let's be honest. <laughs> that's a point. But um, yeah, that's kind of the guys that 
uh, are coming back on some level. Uh, there were also three non-tenors we talked about. Camargo, um, who was projected about $1.4 million. Uh, we'll leave that there for now. Uh, the, I guess the one that made some national news was Richard Rodriguez. Uh, he was non-tendered. He was projected to be about $3 million. Um, this seems pretty simple to me. His spin rate just completely fell off a cliff post-sticky stuff. And we talked about it a lot when it was happening. But uh, just as a matter of refreshment, Scott, nine strikeouts in 26 innings with the Braves. Oh. Nine. It's hard to be successful with nine strikeouts. It's, impo- it's impossible to be successful as a reliever with nine strikeouts in 26 yeah. innings, basically. In the well, and it was, it was kind of weird, too, because he was striking out guys not at a high clip with the Pirates before the trade, but, you know, at a decent level. Um, and then it just completely disappeared with the Braves. It was kind of odd. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to go too crazy, but the sticky stuff thing does seem like it probably was the reason. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, well, I, there there's, yeah. there is a chance, by the way, before, before I forget to say this, there is a chance that the Braves could sign any of these guys to cheaper deals still. They're not like banned from doing so, minor league or otherwise. So it wouldn't like blow me away if they if Camargo signed a minor league deal like two days from now, I guess if they're not locked out at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, but Rich Rod, it doesn't seem like uh, is likely just because I feel like he'll have other offers and there's no like relationship there. He was on the Braves for a couple months and didn't make their World Series roster, etc. Yeah, I didn't notice this either, but I'm guessing that relationship, naturally, I am sure he wanted to be part of the playoff rosters. And, and on a whole, he had a fine season. But I think as we saw over those last couple of weeks, like he came into a game and it was like an automatic home run. Like not even not even bad luck bears where it's like, okay, he's just giving up some bloops. And yeah, he, his ERA is going up, but he's just having a rough go of it. Now we knew that the home run regression was going to come the fact that he was not even at like the world series parade was kind of odd i think dob mentioned that in one of his columns and i didn't notice that um but he he was not with the team i don't know if he had something going on that prevented him from making it but once i saw that three million dollars for a guy who would be like your seventh man in the bullpen to start the year is a little steep i mean you we just talked about tyler matzik and not that you can find Tyler Matzik just growing on trees anywhere. But for three million bucks, I would much rather try a couple of veterans on a cheaper deal and see if one of them sticks. Uh, yeah, I'd much rather give Kirby Yates a million dollars and Darren O'Day a million dollars than uh, Rich Rod three million dollars. Yeah, so. and somebody else a million dollars too for that matter. I mean, yep. that, that's really kind of what it boils down to. And we know that you need depth in your bullpen. And if you're just not going to trust Rodriguez or don't have a lot of faith in him to figure it out with that one pitch that he basically throws. Right. Um, $3 million is not throwaway money. We won't do the whole budgetary thing now. We'll save that for probably in the dark times of the lockout in terms of the payroll. But, um, you know, they could use that $3 million elsewhere. And uh, despite our, our hopes and pleas and all of that, that they'll spend more money now post-World Series, you know, this is not going to be the Yankees where they're going to spend $300 million. So... Uh, that's going to matter on some level. So that, that covers it in terms of non-tender guys. No, no huge surprises. Um, essentially, the Braves did exactly what I would have done on all of those decisions. Um, the only one that's kind of weird was Jaciel De La Cruz, who was actually not arbitration eligible, but they just basically cut him from the 40-man. Um, I don't really have a strong belief on that whatsoever, but uh, I would not have kept Rodriguez or Camargo. Those are the two guys that I would have circled to not tender, and those are the ones that, that they didn't tender, so no complaints for me. Yep, I was happy to see that they took care of everybody. Um, 
I, I guess Dansby Swanson too. I, I don't think it's funny because there was a time we'll be, we'll be honest here. There was a time I think in June when he was in one of just his terrible slumps and it looked like the season was going down the toilet that I think we probably said, you know, does, is Dansby Swanson on the Braves next year? And obviously he had a much better second half. He was a world series hero. There was no question on that one, but good for Dansby for, for figuring things out in the biggest moment of his career. And, um, he, uh, he certainly had some hits in the playoffs along the way. Yeah. Uh, I guess speaking of Dansby, I feel contractually obligated to bring this up cause it just came across while we were recording, uh, Mark Berman, a reporter in Houston who actually is pretty plugged in. This is not like a, a fake person who does not report things. He, he actually has a lot of sources in different sports and has been a local guy there forever. So this is not a completely made up report. I don't think, um, he reported tonight on Wednesday, that the Braves are on the list of teams that Carlos Correa has, quote, heard from, end quote, in free agency. Now, I cannot imagine the Braves uh, are likely to sign Carlos Correa. Um, and I also cannot even fathom a world in which they would do that with Freddie Freeman on the roster. So it seems like uh, a long shot of long shots and one that would only happen if Freddie wasn't around just for money reasons. But because uh, we talked about Swanson, Correa, obviously a defense first shortstop, uh, did not does not really fit with Dansby on the roster. But uh, Scott, are you getting your Correa jersey made now, or are you going to wait for them to actually sign him? <laughs> no, I think I'll probably hold off on that one. Yeah, that that report came in just as we were about to start doing this podcast, and I'm glad you mentioned it. Uh, I I would imagine that Alex Anthopoulos in the front office are doing their due diligence, as basically every front office does. But especially with Freddie Freeman and the impact that he has, um, you have to have a plan B. And I, I don't think anyone will tell you locally or nationally that Freddie Freeman is not the Braves' plan A. Um, but on the chance that it only takes one team to blow you away and beat your offer, um, you have to have some kind of a plan B option. And I, I guess we could talk through a uh, a scenario where Carlos Correa was an Atlanta Brave, but I think this seems like one of those reports where, yes, they might have reached out, but I, I just, there's there's nothing to this. Yeah. Uh, if we get another report, maybe we'll do the whole, like, what they would do if they signed Correa thing, which means probably trading Dansby, but we'll, we'll save that for later. Uh, and, prob- and probably never, to be honest. Um, People want their rumors, Brad. And yeah, hey, we're, listen, we're if we had it. nothing else to talk about, if they hadn't signed Kirby Yates and had the Ozuna stuff, maybe we spend 10 minutes on that, but mm-hmm. not today. Um, okay, nuts and bolts before we get out of here. Um, unsurprisingly, the manager of the World Series champion Atlanta Braves got a contract extension, or at least a kind of an extension. He had a, uh, Sicker had a team option uh, that was exercised for 2024, so he's now under contract for three more seasons. He is 66 years old. Um, so the only thing that I could see happening is maybe Snit retires, but honestly, I thought there was like a non-zero chance he might retire post-World Series because you just ride it on top. That's something that like guys might do, but that's clearly not happening. And uh, obviously, he is very safe at this moment, <laughs> given that he just won the World <laughs> yeah. Series. Good job, security, with winning a World Series. I think that's that's good for the resume. Yeah, that'll work. Uh, so nothing, uh, no no real analysis there. He'll be around as long as he wants to be around. I'd imagine. Um, you talked about Freddie, nothing really happening there. There's been the odd report. Uh, I I have made fun of, I know you have made fun of, uh, I cannot handle John Heyman sending the same tweet out 10 times a day about Freddie Freeman. <laughs> I'm going to melt down at some point in the next couple of days and probably reply to him. And the last time I, the John and I talked on Twitter, it didn't go so well. So maybe, uh, maybe I won't do that, but uh, he doesn't like me very much. I don't like him very much. And 
I'm all set with John Hammond tweets on Freddie Freeman. Um, I don't know. He's mentioned the Dodgers, Blue Jays, the Yankees, etc. I will say uh, there's only one team that has really scared me the entire time, and it's the Dodgers. And now the Dodgers have this have this spot for him because Seager left. So uh, if if you want to ask me in, in, in the deepest recesses in my soul um, what my fear would be on Freddie, it's that the Dodgers have endless funds and they could just slide Muncy to second base. Mm. And uh, he's from there, all that stuff. So that's 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 the uh, looming monster. I still think I'd pick the Braves. I think everyone yeah. has reported that on some level. Um, in addition to Heyman, I think you know Rosenthal and the local guys, everyone seems to think the Braves are still likely, but it's not over. And with every passing day, uh, it's not over. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, as we've said many times, we never thought it was even going to get to this point. And I think if, if I had to bet on it today, yes, Freddie will be back. It, it would just be such an odd, I mean, it would just be so weird for the front office to let Freddie get away. Face of the franchise, by all accounts, is looking for a reasonable deal. And if, if your buddy John Heyman is correct, it sounds like it might be a dispute between five and six years. And love you, John. If you're, if, if you're real, I mean, sure. If a team comes in, and we maybe we should talk about this, but like, look, if a team came in and offered Freddie like stupid money, like eight years, two hundred and fifty million dollars, sure. Like there, there's a dollar in a year where it's like, okay, we should. You you have to find a plan B. But that being said, I don't think anyone expects that. At the end of the day, he is a first baseman, a position that is not a premium position for a lot of teams. He's on the wrong side of 30. And as great as Freddie Freeman is, there has to be some kind of cap on what you're willing to spend. This is not a contract on like Juan Soto where you just hand him a blank check and say, all right, kid, here you go, fill it out because he's 23 years old. Um, You have to have some kind of cap on it. But that being said, like it's Freddie Freeman, pay the man. If you have to give him a little more money or one extra year, I don't think it's going to be the downfall of the Atlanta Braves organization. You just have to hope that this all get resolved. Apparently, I guess you never say never. It doesn't seem likely to get resolved before the lockout begins. Um, And that just means we're going to have to wait and be patient. But here's hoping it all resolves itself. And Freddie gets to spend the rest of his career in Atlanta. Yeah, uh, we've covered it on every podcast for like the last three weeks. So we're all just waiting like everybody else. Um, Nothing's changed, but... You know, I think it was Bowman that said this in the recent past that at least he wrote it. You know, essentially, every time it doesn't get done, maybe you take a small percentage off the top. I don't know. It's just taken so long, and uh, the negotiations are weird. And um, this is kind of an overarching thing, but maybe for new new listeners slash like maybe people got they really got more invested during the World Series run. Anthopolis works in total silence, essentially. Like I've only I, I could probably only name four or five decision makers in like all of sports who have had more transactions in the last couple of years that just came out of nowhere with no reporting about them than Anthopolis. Like he's famously quiet. So that makes our job harder, but it's also something where um, he's earned the benefit of the doubt in a big way. He just built a title, a title winning team. And also like he doesn't work in the media. So we don't really know anything. And like the stray John Hammer report is not really telling me much about what, where the Braves are. I would hope that Alex has talked Freddie into giving him the last offer, if that makes sense. Like that's the hope. I mean, the, the, I would say yeah. the nightmare scenario for the Braves would be that Freddie just signs a deal without giving the Braves a chance to match it. And 
I don't think that's going to happen. Like, I feel like there has to be serious ill will by the end of this for that to actually take place. And now, if Freddie gets a deal and the Braves have a chance to match it and they don't do it, that's a different discussion. But I don't, I don't think there's a real likelihood that Freddie's just going to like go under the cover of darkness to Los Angeles hmm. with, with no discussions. So, yeah, I would hope. I mean, again, we are not privy to those conversations, but by all we accounts, a, a very strong relationship here. You never say never, and you never know what's going to happen. But I ultimately, I think Freddie comes back, and it's funny too. You know, talking there, there's some angst among the fan base with this naturally, um, and with the off season as a whole. But it's funny how re-signing Freddie kind of puts everything at ease, and then you're you're just kind of filling in a couple of periphery spots on the roster. You probably need to add an outfielder of some kind. You probably want to add a starting pitcher of some kind. But after that, I mean, the roster is pretty set um, other than Freddie Freeman. And that's why everything seems so uh, uncertain right now. But uh, I mean, again, that's the off season. Yeah. yeah. To your point, by the way, there's been like, at least that, that I've seen and I trust Chris Willis to find anything and everything on the internet. Um, I've heard nothing on Jorge Soler. I've heard nothing on Eddie Rosario. I've heard nothing on Jock Peterson. Hmm. Like it, at all. It kind of, it kind of feels like, the big dogs of free agency were the ones more likely to sign early, like as good as Eddie Rosario was. And he is a Braves playoff legend for what he did. You know, he, Eddie Rosario is not the kind of player where half the teams are going to come kicking his door and to sign by the first day of December. Um, I think there's going to be a frenzy whenever this lockout does end. Um, there's going to be a lot of very good players, especially outfielders. I mean, I, I listed them off today. Um, but in addition to Freddie, Carlos Cray is still out there. Trevor Story is still out there. Chris Bryant is out there. Castellanos, Schwarber, um, Anthony Rizzo is an option if Freddie goes elsewhere. Um, so Michael Conforto, who I'm a big fan of, and I know Braves fans are a fan of too, is a possible outfield option. Uh, Soler, Rosario, Jock Peterson, there, there are options here. If, if every free agent had signed and the Braves were left out in the cold, Sure. You're like, okay, what the hell is happening here? Uh, but there's going to be a significant run of free agents whenever the, whenever baseball comes back and it'll be fun. Hopefully it's kind of similar to this week where it's just been a chaotic and really fun week for the league. And uh, we'll see where everything shakes out. But I, I do want to just kind of uh, not that I am the voice of reason. I am as much of a fan <laughs> as anyone listening, um, but it, it is December 1st or December 2nd as of listening to this. There was a lot of off-season to go, even if we're going to be locked out for a while here. Um, you don't get bonus points for signing guys on December 1st. Yeah, so, okay, last thing on the show. It's about 11 p.m. Eastern now on December 1st as we're talking. Um, the CBA expires in about an hour, uh, and the expectation is the lockout will commence soon. Uh, the owners do have to actually pull a lever to lock out the players. It does not happen automatically. So they might wait, um, and no one thinks the deal's happening because they stopped negotiating this afternoon. So the deal's not going to happen, barring some sort of weird, you know, Zoom meeting <laughs> that transpires in the next hour. Um, they could keep free agency open. Jeff Passon reported that. That's one of the uh, scenarios is that they could just keep they could just negotiate with no CBA. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen there, but I am bracing, and I think the expectation is that they're going to have a lockout, which means no transactions, um, and that'll be boring for us. Uh, we'll cover a little bit of that. We'll do a little bit of a look back to last year, look at the roster now, and we'll fill the time as best we can. But um, 
you know, by the time I wake up tomorrow, there's a decent likelihood that the two sides will be locked out. Um, and all this comes to a screeching halt. Uh, in theory, you know, teams could still negotiate trades. Um, they can't actually consummate them, but they could negotiate them. But like agents and teams are not talking about free agents and all that stuff. It's going to kind of just stop uh, on the major league level. There are minor league deals that can happen, and that's kind of a rabbit hole we can get into later, at a later point. But uh, they'll be arguing about money and expanded playoffs and maybe the DH and whatever else. There's a whole list of things that we'll say for a later podcast. But um, that's where we are. And we wanted to record kind of late into the night um, just because of all kinds of things. Like if Freddie was going to sign, it probably would have happened by now um, tonight. I also want to get at least close enough to the CBA expiration to be more confident that it wouldn't uh, come back to bite us on this podcast. But I promise you, and Scott's going Scott's to hold me to this, if Freddie signs in the next hour before the CBA ends and we've already stopped recording, we'll start recording again. We're back. <laughs> back. So if you're, that, if you're listening to this podcast immediately, be, it's going to... Yeah, that would probably be the most urgent emergency pod we have ever done. Yeah, um, uh, listen, we have have a, a long record of podcast recordings being spoiled within 12 hours. Um, famously, I believe there was that Monday morning when they signed Donaldson and McCann after we had done like an hour and a half podcast at like 11 p.m. the night before, and they signed him at like 10 a.m. Um, but... I kind of doubt it this time around. Knock on wood, but here we I are. Do, I do hope, I wanted to mention this before we get out of here. The CBA negotiations are going to be ugly and it's a black eye for the sport, but I do sincerely hope that this makes baseball a, a better sport and a better game. And there's a lot of things that are overdue, I think. Um, everything from better conditions and pay and, and living stipends for minor league players to the DH so we don't have to hold our breath every time a, a starting pitcher goes up to swing the bat um, and everything in between making it like get rid of teams having to give up a, a second round draft pick to sign a free agent like like what are we doing here that that's dumb I can't believe that ever made it through in the first place <laughs> things like that I hope for the better and I'm sure in this new deal there's going to be stuff too and it's like why are we still doing this or why are we not doing this um, I'm sure that's going to be in there, but I do hope it brings some changes for the better for this sport that we all love. Um, it, it's it's really one of the few opportunities that baseball gets to make drastic improvements, at least in terms of financial matters and, and significant rules in, in the league. Um, so I do hope that happens over the next weeks, months, however long this lockout is. Um, let's all hope that baseball is better because of it. Yeah, that's well said. Obviously we want baseball to happen, but you know, I uh, hope they get this thing sorted out. Um, oh, okay. Uh, live update on the show. Glad we're still talking, Scott. Uh, our friend, your pal and mine, John Hammond, reports that the MLB owners have voted unanimously to institute a lockout, and it's expected to begin tomorrow, but unclear what time it will start. Mm. So, uh, Hammond could be wrong, but I, no. I, I kind of doubt it on this one. <laughs> He is uh, he is kind of a shill for the agents and the owners. So yeah, and also the he, word the word unanimously is in this tweet. Uh, yeah. So I, I can't imagine that would be just dead wrong. Maybe he is. That'd be embarrassing. But uh, <laughs> let me just update my my priors. I was already at ninety nine percent of the lockout by tomorrow, and now it's even higher than that. So yeah, ninety nine point nine 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 percent. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, as you listen to this, keep that all in mind as when, as when we recorded this, and uh, you know we'll come back. 
in the near future, when they do lock out, we will probably have a show, you know, obviously there's no reason for an emergency lockout podcast. We kind of know what's going to happen. Um, but we will be doing podcasts. Um, the Daily Hammer will be running with Sean Coleman two, three times a week. Sean's been awesome um, for the last several months with us. Eric Cole and Garav and Garrett and friends on the road to Atlanta. Uh, Eric did an awesome interview, by the way, this week with the Braves' first-round draft pick. A one-on-one half-hour interview, which you probably won't hear anywhere else. So that was pretty cool to have Eric and uh, have him be able to land that uh, exclusive. That's definitely still on this feed right now, so listen to that when you can. And and then uh, I'll be here with Scott and or Eric and or others in the near future, and we'll have podcast content. So it's all uh, we're all we're all in this together, folks. They won the World Series. We really got to enjoy that. We'll still enjoy right. it because uh, hey, the, the bright side is if they lock out, the Braves are just going to be defending champions for even longer. Because <laughs> <laughs> maybe baseball will cease to exist forever, and the Atlanta Braves will go down as the last World Series champion of all time for the rest of time. No, but. Uh, you're right. Exactly. We have we have plenty of stuff to get into, even if there isn't a ton. And it it's worth noting too. Historically, the Braves have done very little in December and January under Alex Anthopoulos. <laughs> early and late um, only. Like it's Alex. all been it's been really early, like Thanksgiving, and then late, like Ozuna last year, for example. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll have plenty of recap coverage. We're going to continue to to enjoy. I don't know about everybody else. I find myself on occasion just watching like World Series highlights. Um, there, there's a, there's a whole lot of good things to look back on over the last couple of months here. So we will continue to have content at some point, Brad, we should start looking back on the, the regular season as a whole, um, and, and looking back at players and forecasting oh, yeah. guys next year. That's so coming soon. Plenty of content on this podcast here and we appreciate everybody tuning in. Yeah. I actively tried to save the review podcast until the lockout because we just knew it was coming and it's like, uh, just a little bit of a peek behind the curtain. Uh, there'll be time for those. It's going to happen. And there was enough content to get us to get us here at this point. But thank you, Scott, for joining me on this evening. Uh, I am going to hang up this call and go record a, a podcast about the Atlanta Hawks because that's my life on a Wednesday. But CBA, yeah. we'll see. I, w- I will encourage everyone listening to, number one, subscribe to this podcast. Number two, follow Scott on Twitter. Uh, number three, Read talkingchop.com, where I can tell you with confidence that Chris Willis and friends will be writing about the CBA negotiations, lockout stuff, etc., in real time. So, do all that stuff. Anything else? Anything else, Scott? No, the grind never stops. Hope, uh, hope everybody out there is doing well and bear down, Scott. But th- there we go. I'm glad we got that one in. Thank Listen, you. Listen, I, I lost, I lost a bet. Uh, I had to change my Twitter avatar for a, for a, for a full day, and people were, especially Hawks fans, were extremely confused. <laughs> I got multiple like, "Wait, what? Do you, what is your?" Ad? I'm like, I, I, just kept, I just kept sending the copy paste link of our bet on Twitter to people, just like that was my default response for like six straight hours. I was just like copy pasting the, the tweet. Anyway, you are a man of your word, and for all of our very very many Arizona Wildcat fans who listen to this podcast, bear down. I'm sure there are thousands of them. Uh, I'm sure there are millions, maybe. Tens, maybe, <laughs> maybe of them. There are uh, dozens of us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> all right, we've rambled enough. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast and follow us on all platforms. And we'll see you next time.
Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data, which means more to process, more to analyze. And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS VIA, the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com slash V-I-Y-A.